Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, welcome in to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. I am delighted to say that we have Denzel in the house again. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Insurgents. I got to tell you, I am really enjoying these conversations. One of the things that struck me this morning is that Jesus Christ, when he taught, when he preached, when he shared, his message was just so different from what the other rabbis were teaching and proclaiming. Mm. It was so revolutionary. It had the effect of turning people inside out Mm. and upside down. Mm. That is exactly the same effect that takes place when someone is proclaiming a message that magnifies the Lord, glorifies the Lord, unveils the Lord, and which is anointed by the Spirit. People get turned inside out and upside down. It's the same effect. And I was just contemplating that today. Mm. (laughs) And as I read these passages, you just see that people are blown away. Some obviously are confused. (laughs) Some have no idea what he's talking about. But others are uh, turned around in all sorts of ways. It's just the effect that the ministry of Christ has. It had that effect in the first century, and it has that effect today, brother. Amen, bro. When someone proclaims the riches of Christ, it has the same effect. There is a chapter in my book, 48 Laws of a Spiritual Power. It's on the subject of unveiling Christ. And I have been asked often, how is it that one can bring a message that really pulls the curtain back Mm. and shows people the Lord, the Lord in a way they've never seen before? Mm -hmm. And so what I wrote in that chapter is the answer to that question why that's so important to unveil him and some of the ways in which that is done. So we're ready to launch into the next mention of the kingdom and I'll hand it over to you, Denzel, to read to our two listeners the passage in Matthew chapter 8. <laughs> okay, amen. Matthew chapter 8, verses 10 through 12 with the centurion. But I'm just going to, if I start at verse 5, maybe get the whole context. It says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I just read Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 12 in the NASB mm. Bible. And our focus verses are 10, 11, and 12, where the kingdom of heaven is mentioned. Wow. And verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same Amen. hour. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, there's a lot here. Um, as a Gentile, <laughs> I'm thankful that this story is written in Holy Writ. And Amen. that Jesus did something unusual here. He ministered blessing, great blessing mm. to a Gentile. Amen. Not only a Gentile, but a Roman, a Roman. soldier. Mm. Goodness. We'll see why that's significant in a few minutes. So what we see here is the news about Jesus is spreading. It's spreading to the Gentile areas beyond Israel. And Gentiles are beginning to come to Jesus. Obviously, this man here, this Roman centurion, heard about Jesus. Some scholars believe he traveled from another part of the world, uh, speculating as far away as Syria. Wow. The point here is that the ministry of Jesus was remarkable. And we saw this earlier when we looked at Matthew 4, the previous episode, how the news was spreading all over Amen. Palestine, even beyond Israel. His ministry was remarkable. And the word remarkable means it's worth making a remark about. Hmm. That's how news spreads. It's by word of mouth. It's by word of mouth when something is remarkable. And this story is an example of this. In an earlier episode, we read Isaiah 40. Mm -hmm. And I'll read verse 5 once again. Yahweh's glory shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. So this is an example of the all flesh <laughs> seeing Yahweh's glory, God's glory, the glory of Christ, even to the Roman centurions who live in other parts of the world. Another example of this is found in chapter 15, verses 21 to 24 in Matthew. Jesus went out from there and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman, she's not an Israelite, <laughs> came out from those borders, crying, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, you son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. And Jesus answered, I wasn't sent to anyone but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm -hmm. However, he made an exception. Amen. And he made an exception with this centurion who was a Gentile. Matthew 24, 14, the good news of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a testimony to all nations. You know, not just Israel, mm -hmm. but all nations, mm -hmm. the Gentile world. And then the end will come. So this prophecy in Matthew 24 was ultimately fulfilled with Paul of Tarsus and the men he trained. Paul, of course, was the apostle of the Gentiles, but this healing of the Roman centurion's servant was a prefiguration of that which was to come, the ministry of Jesus to the Gentiles. And it's 
Interesting that he says in verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Now the sons of the kingdom there, some translations have the subjects of the kingdom. It's referring to Israel, Israelites, Mm -hmm. Jews, Mm -hmm. right? And these were not sons by birth. These were sons by inheritance. The Jewish people, Hebrew people, the contemporaries of Jesus, the Israelites, were destined for the kingdom. So they were the sons of the kingdom by inheritance, <laughs> not by birth, yes. right? Because mm-hmm. they rejected the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But because the Gentiles, and this centurion being one among them, because he responded to the gospel, he believed who Jesus was. Amen. He understood that Jesus had the authority of God Amen. in a way that, well, many people, even Jewish people who were following him didn't understand. Yes. He was in. He was in the kingdom where the Jews who rejected Jesus were out. So it's a radical reversal. Mm, sure is. Right? The message is to Israel. Jesus is given to Israel. The kingdom is offered to Israel. They're the rightful inheritors of the kingdom, and yet most of them rejected him. Mm. And so they're out. And then the Gentiles, <laughs> who were never inheritors of the kingdom, because they believe, some of them, they're in. Wow. So when he says in verse 11, many will come from east and west. He's referring to the Gentiles. And they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, talking about the future future kingdom. So we have the sinners, the Gentiles, going in before the religious establishment Mm. who failed to respond to John the Baptist and to Jesus. And I got to say, just to bring the force of this to us, the inclusion of Gentiles, which were viewed by the Jewish people to be hopeless, helpless, unworthy, unclean, unwashed, they are being escorted into the messianic feast, which was for Israel, which was for the Jewish people prophesied in the Old Testament. This was a shocker. And what we see here is that you get in, you get into the kingdom, you partake of that feast by faith, not by ancestry. By believing allegiance, not by being related by blood to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. John the Baptist made this statement in Matthew 3, verse 9, talking to the Jewish people, particularly the establishment. Do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And so the time for the Gentiles to come rushing into the kingdom, which they eventually would, was not yet here. But the centurion and his faith and Jesus receiving him into the kingdom and responding to his prayer was an advanced token of that before it actually happened in the ministry of Paul and Peter going to the house of Cornelius, etc., Another example of the radical reversal that marks the kingdom of God. In the kingdom, the least, the lost, and the last Hmm. become the most, the found, and the first. All right now. What say you? Wow. Well, 
You know, first of all, I'm uh, really uh, glad that you, uh, in verse 12 there, just really made it plain about who the sons of the kingdom are. You know, the great reversal. Here are the Jewish leaders, the Israelites. Every week, they're listening to the scriptures be read. Yeah. And they miss that. I can't point a finger at them because instead of doing that, I want to look at like, well, wow, I read the scriptures daily and hear it and share it. I don't want to miss anything. I, mm. I, I want to get everything that the Lord has that uh, of the unfathomable riches of his grace that are there. And here they're hearing it every week. And Jesus said, these are, you know, the scriptures that point to me, but, you know, they don't see them. So that that's why I really also, like and you said, the manifestation of his glory, you know, his glory being revealed to all flesh. And, you know, mm. it gets back to a principle that I've heard shared, you share, and others in the Deeper Christian Life Network of, you know, ministry is revealing Christ to others, you know, so that they reveal Christ, can see Christ, and then, you know, be captured by his glory. You kind of mentioned that in terms with this centurion. And, and when I read this about this Roman centurion, he's a soldier, and he says in verse 9, For I also am a man under authority mm -hmm. with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. You know, I was in, I was in the army. At one point, even I was in officer candidate school, and it's like there's two ways of leadership they might say at times is uh you know you want to follow that person uh, because they take care of you they're a good leader or just because of the rank on their collar so even if mm. you don't like them because of that rank you know you come under that authority mm -hmm. and, and understanding you know coming under authority submitting to that authority and we're talking about the kingdom mm -hmm. so with the kingdom there's a king there's a group of people who are under the authority of the king yes. in a particular geographical area. And so it's like this Roman centurion, because of his soldiering experience, but also seeing the glory of Christ. And then as you started out, when Jesus taught, they said, man, he speaks as one with authority, you know, with authority. And this Roman centurion sees that, understands that, and gets a chance to, however the Lord revealed it to him or showed it to him, like, hey, this man can heal, heal my slave. He can mm -hmm. heal, you know, this, uh, this person, my servant, who's lying paralyzed. And it says in the NASB in verse 6 that he's paralyzed and he is fearfully tormented. Mm -hmm. And so also to me is being in the military, and he says this is his servant. He cares about the condition of a servant because he could have easily just replaced them with another servant. If he's just paralyzed, he would be no good to him. So he has a, a heart, if you will, or a desire. And it says that in verse 5, that when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, and he's imploring him. So he's not only looking out for the servant, but he's like imploring Christ. Like, mm -hmm. I know that you said belief. I know you can do this. I'm a man under authority. I recognize your authority. Mm -hmm. I recognize, I see the glory of God, if you will. His desire to see that servant healed, because when I sit back and you think about that, I mean, you know, any soldier, but you know, Romans soldiers weren't really known much for compassion. Right. And especially if you're stationed in a foreign land, uh, you're away from family, friends, familiar surroundings. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can just look at the people that you see and you don't want to be bothered with them and be cruel. Mm. 
But here's this man, you know, moving to the one that he knows uh, can heal his servant. And so I get that. And then he says that, that faith. And then we're sons of God. We're sons of Abraham through faith, as Paul talks about yeah. Galatians. Yeah, Absolutely. through faith. So his faith to the Gentile. And then, as you said, that's encouraging to me because, uh, you know, currently, whether I'm a Gentile or Israelite or whatever, I'm in Christ. It's, it's about Christ, and, and the sons of God are those that have faith you know, in Christ, and he comes with his faith. I'm impressed that Jesus was impressed mm. with a human being. He mm. really was impressed with this man. Mm. You know, it took him back. Seeing this man's faith and his understanding of authority, how he applied his work as a soldier and having men under him, the centurions in that time had around 80 soldiers under them, not exactly 100. <laughs> he could order them, and he just transferred that understanding to Jesus. He, he had that kind of insight, as well as faith. He just knew that Jesus could heal his servant mm. without moving his body <laughs> where the servant was located. There are three big points that I want to make that I think will help bring the force of this home to our hearts. First of all, hatred toward the Romans by the Jews was running at high tide at this time. The Romans were oppressing the Jewish people big time. Mm. So the fact that Jesus was offering the kingdom, Mm. which was offered to the Jewish people, the fact that Jesus was offering the kingdom to a Roman centurion, was highly offensive to Jewish people. The people around Jesus were shocked. It would be like, let's go back to 1950 in the United States, and let's just say that Jesus shows up then instead of in the first century, Mm -hmm. and instead of his message and his offer of the kingdom being to the Jews, it's to the African-American community, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're the rightful inheritors of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus is somewhere preaching. He has a whole group of African-Americans listening to him because that's who the message is for. That's who the kingdom is for. And a member of the Ku Klux Klan, one of the leaders, comes Mm. over Mm. to Jesus Mm. and says, Hey, I have this uh, slave. I want you to heal him. Mm. And then Jesus doesn't say, Well, get away, you know. Shame on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's oppressing yeah. the people to whom Jesus is coming. He's an oppressor, right? That's right. And he's saying, wow, I am so impressed with your faith. Mm. <laughs> and and then he says, you know, in the future coming kingdom, many of the African Americans who I've been preaching to are going to be cast out. Mm. But people like you, Ku Klux Klaners, mm. are going to come in because you believed in me you trusted him that's tight but it's right <laughs> wow right yeah so that's number one number two good point. roman soldiers in the first century were not allowed to have legal families hmm. but they could have servants and so this servant was like his family hmm. this servant was like if it was a, a male it was like a son to him hmm. right it's like his boy because he couldn't have a legal family hmm. as a roman centurion so that puts another spin on it that, you know, this is why it was so important for him. Yeah, okay. 
And also, it, it appears that the centurion uh, was a man of means. The third thing is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, appears to be on earth. And earthly travelers are coming to it in hmm. this story. You know, they're coming from the east and the west. Well, that's dimensional. That's yeah. talking about earth. Again, it reinforces the fact that heaven is coming to earth. Mm. Heaven and earth are not going to be done away with. They're going to be renewed. You really have to look at the scriptures on both ends to see this. Some biblical texts talk about the earth passing away. Mm -hmm. But other biblical texts talk about the earth being here forever. Yes. You know, and we don't have time to look at all those, but trust me on this, if you want to look at it from both Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see that. Some say the earth is here forever. God created it. It's good. It's not going anywhere. And others appear to suggest it's going to be dissolved. Well, if you put them all together, what you discover is that there's going to be a complete overhaul, mm. a full renewal of heaven and earth. What happened to the physical body of Jesus is what God is going to do with the existing heaven and earth. You know, God didn't do away with the physical body of Jesus. Amen. He completely renewed and yes. resurrected yes. it. Yes, yes. And Romans 8 talks about this cosmic regeneration and resurrection. So you have in Isaiah 65 and 66, as well as Revelation 21, talk about a new heaven and a new earth. That's really referring to a renewed Renew. heaven and a renewed earth. And anytime you see the word new, hmm. it means God is in it and he has renewed it. Amen. So, for example, you have new birth. Mm -hmm. God is in it That's and right. he had renewed it. That's right. Well, the first birth and then the second birth. The second birth is a resurrected birth, the new birth. You have the new creation. Mm-hmm. You have the new covenant. All right. You have the new man. All right. You have the new heaven and the new earth. Anytime you see the word new, God is in it. And God has renewed and resurrected it. And so the centurion's salvation here is a promise of more Gentiles. That includes you and me, Denzel. Amen, brother. <laughs> who would Amen. believe in Jesus. And we would be the sons of the kingdom by birth not the sons of the kingdom by inheritance, as were the Jews. The word weeping here, it's a, it's a sad picture. Mm -hmm. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. Weeping means mourning. Yeah. They're mourning. There's great regret. Mm -hmm. Gnashing of teeth means anguish, mm -hmm. intense anguish. Israel was expecting the messianic banquet for themselves. And all throughout the Gospels, Jesus offered the kingdom to Israel. In this passage, we see that. We see it in Matthew 10, verse 6, where he tells his disciples, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Matthew 15, 24, I was sent only to the lost mm -hmm. sheep of Israel. Sons of the kingdom, a Semitic expression that means those by privilege it should belong to. But again, there are sons of the kingdom by birth. A new birth. And we'll see that in chapter 13. Uh, you have to be very careful when you see phrases in the New Testament because sometimes the same phrase will mean one thing in one context. It'll mean something totally different in another. But Jesus will respond to the context and to the person. 
even though he's sent to the lost sheep of Israel, he will make exceptions to mm. Gentiles if they put their trust and they pursue him. And we see this you know, not just in his servant, but we see it in the Canaanite woman. And then later, when Paul of Tarsus emerges, we see many, many Gentiles. Actually, it's most of the Gentiles. It's most of the pagans that made up most of the first century churches that came from the hand of Paul of Tarsus and his co-workers. I'm back at the first point. Hatred toward uh, towards Romans by the Jews was at high tide. Mm-hmm. And it just really, within me, just like speaks to just how other the Lord is mm. from us. <laughs> how unique from our natural man. Because that, that would not be <laughs> my first reaction. Denzel, so you take a guess about uh, what my melaton tone is. Uh, and to see, like, yes, the, the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> right. like coming up and, and saying, my slave is paralyzed, and can you heal him? He says, oh, what great faith. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, you know, that's, but, but that just really, again, I like these moments like this when I'm confronted and see that our need, my need is for living by the indwelling life of Christ. Now, I always say, I don't trust Jeff. The old that I don't trust that. Like, I, I need, we need to really be uh, influenced, motivated, and led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Just really, I mean, just desperately need to lean into him. Because that that's so remarkable. You know, it's interesting because the, the second piece was Roman soldiers were not allowed to have have families. Again, that, that enlightened me because I'm thinking, okay, maybe his family's back home thinking of a modern military situation. And so the servant becomes like his family. But then I also, and it's not our topic, but... Second Timothy, I believe it is in chapter two, where, where Paul says, you know, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. The soldier, you know, wants to be focused on pleasing his commander and not getting entangled with the things of the world. <laughs> well, Rome had that set up there. He didn't have a family or anything. He had to be completely committed to the mission that was in front of him. So, you know, from a soldier point of view, watching Jesus, like, I mean, saying this in that context and knowing that, you know, and knowing the blowback that he was going to get from that, not just with the authority, but Jesus's uh, devotion when he says, I do nothing for myself. I think it's John five nineteen, but only what I see the father doing. Just so much. I mean, you know, every one of these verses we've been looking at, the kingdom of God, the kingdom verses, we, we might only have like three or four verses, but it's so rich with content. And revelation, yeah, it's it's just so rich. Mm. For those of you who may be new, when Denzel mentioned Jeff, that's Denzel's other name, so he's <laughs> referring to his past, his yeah. old self. But yes, yeah. another point I'd like to make, and and maybe we'll end somewhere here. Mm-hmm. The bulk of Jesus' recorded activity in the Gospels took place in Galilee. In Galilee, demons were expelled, illnesses were healed, crowds are following him. There's a lot of talk about the crowds following Jesus. And as time went on, as you read through the Gospels, the crowd becomes distinct from the Lord's followers. Hmm. True following of Jesus 
means a radical commitment. It's a change of lifestyle. To call Jesus Lord and to live by that confession means that faith is not mental assent. We saw this in Matthew 7. Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. Well, they were giving mental assent Mm -hmm. because he said, I never knew you. Following Jesus and calling Jesus Lord is not believing that God exists. It's not believing that Jesus lived. It's not even believing that he died and rose again from the dead, giving mental assent to that. James, in his letter, says the devils believe also and they tremble. That's not real faith. Real faith is following its believing allegiance. And one aspect of faith in the New Testament we see right here is the belief that the living God has given all authority to Jesus and acting in accordance with that belief. And there's a point here about the crowds and the followers. If you preach or teach Christ, you can have lots of people in the crowd who listen to you speak. If you're an author, you can have lots of people who read your books. If you're a blogger, you can have lots of people who read your blog. If you create a podcast like this one, you can have lots of people who listen to your podcast. Those are the crowds. If you're a Christian leader, a pastor, for example, you can have lots of people in your congregation. If you're on social media and you're putting out content on that platform, you can have tons of crowds who are reading what you are writing or consuming your videos. All of that really means nothing. That's the crowd. Mm -hmm. The true followers are those who actually respond to the message you're bringing. They actually get it. And hopefully you're bringing the message of the kingdom and of God's eternal purpose and the fullness of Christ. Therefore, your followers are his followers. In other words, the followers are really not following you, per se, but like Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. A disciple means a true follower, a student, an apprentice, a pupil. But it also means an adherent to what the teacher or the master, Jesus, is preaching and teaching. So it's not just being a student in a classroom. It's actually taking to heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's being taught Mm -hmm. and applying it and living it out. And that leaves us with a question that I want to put to all of you who are listening. What would be different in the way you lived your life if Jesus was not Lord? In other words, if you had not enthroned Jesus of Nazareth as Lord and King, what would be different in your daily life? What would be different in your weekly life? What would be different in your monthly life? What would you do for fun and enjoyment Hmm. if you were not a follower of Jesus? In other words, if you were part of the crowd and not a follower, how would you live differently? And this is a question that I've actually asked myself (laughs) more than once, and I have an answer for it, which, of course, is personal. But this is something I would exhort all of you to contemplate and consider. How would your life be different? It's a good question. It's a very good question. It's really something to um, sit with the Lord and however you're comfortable. Sometimes I I like to go to the park and walk and talk to the Lord or just sit quietly. But whatever is your flavor for uh, just being alone, that's that's a very 
Very good question. And like you just said, Frankie V, uh, I have an answer to that, and it's, it's personal. But it's a good thing to reflect on. That's awesome. Uh, uh, you know, this doesn't happen a lot in my life, but I'm actually tongue-tied by that. I'm quiet because it's, it's sobering. It's sobering. Mm. It's, it's something that, that really deserves serious reflection and time mm. to dwell on. Well, folks, we'll leave it there, and yeah. we will see you in the next episode of the Insurgents Podcast. And remember, the Insurgents has begun. Mm. Don't make the mistake of missing it. Amen, somebody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.